Hello, everyone. How you doing? Welcome to another episode on Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. I am really excited. I almost wish we recorded what we were just talking about uh, for the podcast, so we'll have to regurgitate a little bit of that. But I am here with somebody who is has been doing incredible work, not just with AI, but education in a lot of different forms, formats, and structures throughout her career. Uh, but as with lots of us, we we are trying to wrap our head around the implications of AI in education in a much bigger space. And so I've come across the work of our guest here through LinkedIn. Like many people, it seems to be my, my big learning spot. And her and her colleagues have put together some incredible resources that I think as people have started to shift away from like, oh my gosh, kids are cheating to now thinking like, how are we going to process this? There are some definitely some some information that a lot of you who maybe haven't come across our guest today need to go check this out as you're starting those conversations. My guest today is none other than Stella Lee. So Stella, I am so excited for you to be here on this show. I've been so looking forward to this. And I could read your whole bio, but I always like to ask the guests to, <laughs> to explain themselves, which I know has always be sometimes feel a little wonky, but who are you? What do you do? And what in yeah. the world do you got going on? Sure. Thanks for having me. By the way, I love the name of your podcast. I, uh, that's what caught my attention as well when you uh, <laughs> first switched out to me. Um, and she said, my name is Stella Lee. Um, I'm Canadian, based in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Um, for those you don't know where that is, if you go to Montana and you keep going north, you would hit me. Um, so that's, um, that's where I am mostly if I'm not working in other locations elsewhere. I have a background in, um, actually, I, I started out um, as an artist, as a, as a painter. Mm. And that's my first love. And I somehow um, found my way, I always have a love for uh, learning and technology. So I ended up getting a PhD in computer science, focusing on education technology, particularly on personalized learning. Um, so that took me to why I am today being, you know, was an academic world. Then I went into the corporate world because I was not very happy with how slowly things were going in, at the school level, at the university level. And I thought, oh, I'm super curious about like what's the rest of the world doing in, in terms of training and education and lifelong learning. So I went to work in the private sector for a few years. Also dissatisfied with um, the, the lack of evidence, the, the lack of uh, research-based um, or theory-based practices. So I started my own consulting company called Paradox Learning. Uh, it's been, oh my God, it's it's been eight years. Scary. <laughs> Time's um, flying. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do a lot of projects on uh, education technology, evaluation, um, implementation, advice on uh, large digital learning strategies um, for government, NGOs, private sector, schools, universities, so a broad range of, um, of um, different organizations. Um, of course, um, having a background in AI, I also, um, as you know, the whole world pretty much just discovered AI this year, uh, specifically on generative AI. Um, so I also been helping out um, with uh, educators in just basically wrapping our heads around this. It's it's evolving way too quickly for any one of us to understand it. So collectively, I think um, we're, we're better at making sense of things. And um, so I, I've been doing a lot of work, um, workshops, talks, um, writing um, position papers, developing frameworks. So yeah, so that's where I am today. Yeah, you've, you've, been, you've been incredibly busy. And so you mentioned that you are we all yeah I, that is true that is true it's become the norm <laughs> which i don't know is necessarily always a good thing but but here we are i always say it keeps me out of trouble exactly uh, <laughs> exactly thank so you you mentioned that you were an artist which i didn't i yeah. didn't know that part about you so i i wasn't yeah. planning to start this way but now i'm intrigued so <laughs> you are art is your is your passion you have yep. a, a doctorate in computer science 
now here we are, and I know you you explore more than AI, but since that is the the cusp of lots of conversation, I do want to ask you because I think if that's your your big passion, but yet you are incredibly have a vast knowledge in computer science and all that. You know, I was just leading some some workshops with, with educators, and among many questions and fears and the feelings that people have as they're learning. There is a lot of conversation on, oh my gosh, like kids aren't going to know how to think. But where I want to phrase this with you is kids are no longer going to be able to develop their creativity skills. So I'm curious with you, as you have that kind of cross hybrid interest and background in, in arts and computer science and, you know, now exploring AI, what's your hot take on that? I mean, do you, do you see that as a, as a, 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 taking away of our creative skills or do you see as a leverage to empower or undecided? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Yeah, and, and you're right. You know the Venn diagram of like three circles? Yeah. My three circles are art or slash design, education and tech, right? Mm-hmm. So I sit like most happily uh, among those three. Um, so to be honest, have not been very pleased with all the generative AI imagery creation program. I don't know, have you tried them yourself? I have, yeah, yes, yes. So I I think many of them are quite terrible, to be honest. And as somebody actually have the artistic skill to actually create original imageries, I also feel like, Mm, this is okay as a starting point. I think a lot of um, these, whether it's text generation or image generation or video generation, I think it's really good for people that are newer at, at these um, skills that are more that the beginner um, below intermediate level. I think it's a good way to get started, to get some ideas of what they look like. But have you tried to generate like humans? You, you see all these images like five fingers, um, like a, a gazillion teeth and, and just really weird looking uh, humans or or sometimes they would generate random like text embedded in the imagery so the text is like not correctly spelled mm-hmm. and, and so my experience is that I'm more frustrated dealing with those imageries and spending more time just crafting the correct prompts um, I mean I think again like it's it's great usage for training in art school to say, hey, like here are a very quick way for you to explore different styles and to learn about how do you, you know, remix different um, images together. But at the end of the day, I I think perhaps it might even highlight that our creativity is really unique. And, and creativity, it's still the top three skills that we need. It's analytical thinking, creative thinking, um, and um, technological literacy, right? Those are the top three skills. I think it that was a, a competency framework put together by UNESCO. Mm-hmm. And um, so to me, yes, it's. I, I don't think it's taking that away from us, but perhaps we need to stay on top of what does that mean uh, in terms of creativity? Like, does it, does it mean re- replicating a painting that was done by a master in a, in a past? Even the field of art has evolved, right? We we are not just copying masterpieces like it used to be in a traditional art academy, but now we are more about, um, you know, incorporating social commentaries in your art, challenging societal conventions, um, art as installation, uh, art in public spaces. So I think even in a creative world, like we are constantly pushing the limit and that's not something AI can do. AI can only regurgitate what's already existing, right? And so I think if anything else, it kind of motivate me and others to say, okay, well, we really need to start pushing the limits um, because otherwise generative AI is only going to keep feeding you the same thing. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that perspective. And I was playing around. I had a a long delay in the airport uh, trying to get back home here just recently. And so I was using yeah. the latest Dolly 3. And what was kind of fascinating to me, it, it further reinforced one of my stances that as, as we think about our AI literacies or AI skill development, what that means, yeah. the the need and urgency for the human intelligence to skills need to grow just right along with it, if not more. And I think we're going to see like a, a resurgence or hopefully maybe a, a further emphasis on the importance of 
human intelligence, whether that's creative, analytical, whatever that might be. Yeah, like a but, renaissance. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I feel like it's, we're not there yet, but I feel like it, it, it's coming as people start to become more more comfortable with these tools. Yeah. And I was trying to create these images and I won't get too long-winded here, but I was trying to create photography and it brought me back to, in high school, I was super passionate about photography. And, mm. and to date myself, that was back when you did everything manual. I didn't have a phone that just, you know, zoomed in. Like I had to know F-stops and aperture speeds. Yeah. I had to know all those things. And then I produced my own photography because that's, you just didn't, you know, keep it on your phone to share on the social media. And I found myself going back and being like, relearning those skills again to then create better AI images that I was looking for. And I was, I had that kind of like aha moment of what I was sharing. Like we, if you don't know those skills, you are limited to the potential of, of leveraging some of these AI platforms. Do you know what I mean? To, to maybe create something else. And so it, it got me back thinking like, absolutely. Like one, I kind of want my own camera again. I don't, I don't, I don't miss carrying all the different lenses and camera <laughs> bags, but it like, I was like, I kind of had this like full circle moment of like oh my gosh like those skills are coming back to be needed again and you know not that everybody needs to know that but it was kind of like this weird aha moment that I was having you know trying to reproduce like a high quality image yeah like um what you just said resonated with me because I recently was in a Picasso drawing exhibition in Paris mm. in a Pompidou it's really extensive but what struck me was it, it it showed the evolution of him as an artist, right? So they were displaying his drawings from when he was, oh, I don't know, 11 or 12 years or like really young age when he started that very traditional art academy drawing of really realistic um, figures, right? And, and he started that way. He was not always an abstract cubist painter. Hmm. He started with photorealistic kind of good of capturing of imagery and he gone through periods of doing you know the blue period the rose period and then you can you can see the evolution in this exhibition and and, and that's a, a human quality of of this evolution of whatever life experience um you have and you incorporate that into whatever creative endeavors you're doing right and ai doesn't do that i mean it could update its knowledge but it's it's not incorporating like life experiences. It's not incorporating emotions. It's not incorporating any other types of you know. It, in fact, the, even the term intelligence, it's it's very problematic. It just gives us an unrealistic expectation of what this technology can do. Um, but what I think it's good though, um, it's you know, um, you all heard of blank canvas syndrome, like this fear of starting something like blank slate yes. and I think AI really helps um with like well I have no idea where to start let's give me some ideas right like I I, I can start with playing with imageries and I'm like oh maybe a certain element of it works same with writing like when you have writer's block and you like give me some ideas give me like some play with some titles and and that's great for that so in a way that help us with our creative thinking yeah I you know as you were just talking it it, it, it reminds me of at the end of the last school year, we were doing some work in a, a high school senior writing class. And yeah. it was the end of the year, to say the least, kids weren't motivated, as most people are, <laughs> let alone seniors with senioritis. And uh, they were like, I don't know what to write about. I don't know what to do for this project, you know, just being yeah. seniors. And so we had a pulling up chat GPT and said, brainstorm 100 ideas. Yeah. And as yeah. we can imagine, not, all the, ideas, all, not yeah. all the ideas were very good. But what happened was the kids were like, well, that's a terrible idea. And yeah, we're like, okay, yeah, no. why is that a bad idea? And then mm -hmm. they'd be like, well, it should be blah, blah, blah. And then we were like, oh, well, it sounds like maybe you have an idea. Yeah, and how can it be better, right? Yeah so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so we kind of backdoored the approach. It kind of worked out pretty well. Not that they were all that excited that all of a sudden they had an idea. I had to do the work. But, you know, I, I like that <laughs> idea of kind of using that. How do we start to create some creative constraints? So it's, you know, it's not yeah, so, exactly. so massive when we, when we start from scratch and, you know, and, and maybe as a, as a segue, I don't know if it's a very good one, but as <laughs> as I think about the educators that I've continued to just to try to have conversations with of awareness, mm -hmm. it feels so overwhelming. Like we have all these yes. things and now there's this AI thing and I, I don't quite understand it. You and your team and you've got an AI educator uh, toolkit. But the thing that really 
brought my interest to your mm -hmm. work and then diving deep into that was your AI literacy framework, competency yeah. framework. So yeah. could you talk a little bit about what that is, kind of how it yeah. came to be? And for those listening, they know this will be in the show notes, but I think this was something that I think kind of helps build some constraints to think about learning and, 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 and having some conversation around how do we figure out what this all means? Yeah, uh, thanks for bringing that up. It's uh, it's something I'm always thinking about, like, how can I help with educators? It's just the conversation is all over the place. And and one thing that was that became very clear to me, it's like we really need resources. We really need templates. We really need um, like guidelines, policies, frameworks, all of that. Right. Um, and I always been uh, really interested in developing um technology literacy, um, like data literacy, tech literacy, and now AI is just the, the newest iteration of that. Sure. Um, well, how it came about is actually um, in in September, I was asked to, do, uh, to deliver a workshop for educators. So this was specifically for university professors who teach engineering subjects uh, in Europe um, to, to give them a, a workshop um, on basically just anything they need to know about AI and how do you teach with that? How do you uh, use it for research, but also how do you use it um, to lighten your admin uh, work, right? Mm -hmm. Like kind of automating some of the, the more tedious tasks that you have to do, you know, as, as an educator. Yes. So I put together a, an AI toolkit um, for educator. Um, it's more targeted for university level, but I think it applies equally to K through 12. Um, and it, it's, we put it under Creative Commons license. So anybody who wants to use it uh, can access it through my website, paradoxlearning.com. I would give you the link um, so you can share that with the listeners. Yeah. And um, like, feel free to download it. I recently actually have it translated into Spanish as well. So, um, so it is a very much a community effort. Um, and we created also an AI for educator group on LinkedIn. And again, it's an open group. Everybody's just there to share resources and say, hey, there's a free course on AI. And uh, if you wanted to learn more about that, um, you know, uh, go there. Or there's a there's a webinar on ethics of AI. So um, lots of interest there. So we're just trying to share resources from so. From that workshop, I developed a toolkit um, to go with that. And in the toolkit, I one of the sections is on how do you develop AI literacy? Because mm -hmm. it's great to you know use these tools and know what tools to use. It's it's good to know um, you know what what are various AI techniques and and it's good to know a little bit about you know how people are using it and other use cases. But but one area I find it distinctively lacking is like well. If we need to learn about AI, what does that mean? Like so many teachers come and say, I don't want to be a data scientist. Like that's not what I trained for. Like, do I need to like start taking statistic courses? Do I need to learn Python? I'm like, no, no, no. Like, don't, don't panic. Like, I don't want to learn that, you know, and You're I'm right. a computer scientist. Like, <laughs> I, I don't want to have to like spend my whole weekend learning Python either, nor do you need to. And, and that got me thinking about, okay, like how can... How can we put people at ease by saying, you know what, like it is a skill, literacy is a skill and you can develop it and you don't have to be like an expert in every dimension, right? And yeah. so it got me thinking about like, so what does it mean um, for AI literacy? And, and from there, I identify seven key areas. Um, the key areas are the the, fund, the foundational, you know, uh, knowledge of AI. So knowing about the history of AI, how it came about, what are some of the common techniques? Um, at least you can talk and ask questions about it, right? Yeah. And and the second one is about um, be comfortable with data because AI is basically feed by lots of data sets. So just understand even like like what's the relationship between AI and data? Um, how like like how important is it to understand what kind of data is being feed into the system? Because data is, you could be sourcing it from a very biased source. You might source it only 
by a certain segment of your population and therefore your system would be biased, right? Um, and then the third is critical thinking and fact checking. So that's, I don't have to explain that, everybody <laughs> top of mind. Um, and then the, the fourth one is that we need to step outside the education world and look at, well, how does AI, you know, impact society mm -hmm. at large, right? What is, how, how is AI being used in other domains? What are other use cases that are happening? Because I think sometimes education is a bit slow in adopting technology. You're nodding. So I, I know I'm preaching to the choir here. Uh, but I often look beyond the education award and say, okay, tech is impacting us at, you know, in the consumer world, um, in, in smart homes, in entertainment. So those things will, in, you know, eventually trickle down to education. So, so look beyond what we're doing in the education world. Um, ethics, of course, I can't not mention AI literacy without talking about ethics. Um, this is like a whole other topic that we can talk about. Um, and then AI pedagogy is like, how do you, how do you, how do you teach with AI and not losing the educational theories and not get pulled by the shiny new toy and forget about the foundations of education? And then finally, I wanted to end the competency with, well, as we're developing young minds, like how are we going to prepare them for the future? How are we going to incorporate the understanding of this technology in preparing them for the future work and, and the and, you know, the future in general. So these are the seven areas that I put together and it's very much a work in progress. I would love to, if anybody have any additional areas that they say, oh, um, perhaps you should consider this or a sub area of ethics should be uh, surveillance. Um, so that's the framework. And then I further broken it down into, okay, within each key area, what are the competencies that you need to develop and what level? So I, I have the, 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 the beginner, interme intermediate and advanced, and then within that, the competencies. So that's where I'm at. Uh, next step is I want to start collecting some ideas and activities to go with that so teachers can implement them, uh, whether for themselves or with their classrooms or among their colleagues as a as a community of practice, um, that's another idea I wanted to see if we can build a community of practice using a framework like this one. Yeah, it's it's so good. And I want to, a couple of those items in that framework, I, I, I yeah. want to have some conversation on. Um, but before we do that, and as people are listening, this will make a lot more sense if you go check out these documents, which I know, I know yes. a lot of my listeners, so I know you will. But when you're talking about this AI literacy competency framework, we've got it broken down into introductory, intermediate, and advanced. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense to me as I'm as I'm reading through this of like, how can we kind of work our way through our learning? It gives us kind yeah. of a, a progression of things to think about, which I think is great for so many that are just looking to get started. I'm curious, and I yeah. know this is all a work in progress. This is still relatively new. So I know as even as we record this, things can shift and groove. How, how <laughs> Indeed. How have people been using it? Are they using it? Like, are they self-assessing and then they're going in and diving into where they want to progress? You know, do they work through like, you know, category one and then work their way down? I mean, have you seen any kind of feedback in terms of of, of how people are, are using it? Um, because I think that's the exciting piece. I'm looking at this and I'm just thinking about the last couple of districts I was with and I'm like, I... I, I, if I had more time, it would have been so good to to sit with this and have them kind of create yeah. self goals, whether uh, in, in groups or by department or maybe as a district or school. So I was just curious as you've put this out and you're gaining feedback, how, how are how are people wrapping their head around that in terms of how they're using it? Yeah, I don't really know because it's so new, but yeah. um, and also, you know, things don't happen quickly right so they're like oh I have to wait for the next district meeting and, <laughs> yeah, right. and so so uh, but I the feedback I've gotten so far though um so um so far it's been positive and so what I've seen people are using is a lot of places also have some internal framework they developed um and so they use this to build on top of that right so mm -hmm. they would say oh um there's more uh context specific ones with with 
organization. Um, so by the way, it's not just schools and universities. I've also have like nonprofits and NGOs and even private sectors are. Um, so I'm not, one thing I'm trying to, you know, think about is like, do I need to further segment the framework until this is for educational institutions and this is for more like corporations? I, I, for now, I just want to keep it as one. It's just because it's easier to update and add content to it. Um, but I'm open to if people wanted to kind of go take it and 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 go with it in a different direction. Um, so for organizations, at least at university and educational institution KC12, they were saying, um, we actually been thinking about something like this. So you just save us time by already giving us a more... Um, polished solution. And so they are plugging in some of the more um, school or education institution specific uh, needs on top of this framework. And because I put it under creative Commons license, I said feel free, but please come back and share your use case with us yeah. so that we can share that with the, the bigger community. Um, the other one is I think, um, teachers, I think more at university level, because they have more flexibility in crafting their courses, right. are using it to, um, like in, I, I don't know, college writing 101, or even sociology 101, to kind of incorporate this into part of the, the, the teaching curriculum, right, with the students, to, as they're teaching their subject, to incorporate some of the elements um, to the subject matter. So, when you talk about sociology and societal impacts, so they would then incorporate some of that AI competency into the subjects to, to build that literacy with the students. Mm. Um, so that's what I've seen so far. I, I would love to hear from people. Um, I imagine nothing, you know, nothing concrete is gonna come in until next year. Um, it, it's just like with generative AI, um, OpenAI, what like it, it, ChatGPT came out last exactly a year ago. Yeah, so it's only only like this semester things are start being implemented into incorporated into the syllabus, right? Like it's only September that you see more movement. August and September this year, you see more movement in the classroom about how we're going to talk to students about this, how we're going to incorporate it into the syllabus, how we're going to like do we ban it, do we do we do we <laughs> teach with it. I mean, it's only now we, we start picking up a little bit of speed. So I imagine like with this competency framework, it's 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 probably going to take a little bit of time for people to think about like, can we use it? How are we going to use it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, you you mentioned there with the with the Creative Commons license that, you know, people come back and share and come back and revisit. Yeah. And that's why month one ask. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And it's it's. A perfect example. I mean, as I was prepping, you know, for this very episode, I've looked at this framework multiple, multiple times trying to think about, yeah. you know, what's that look like as I try to get past like the initial, a lot of the trainings I'm doing is just kind of like, hey, do you even know what's going on? You know, we mm -hmm. haven't got into like the thick of the stuff, but where I was just at leading a, a full day workshop, I had a really, probably one of the most thought provoking um I'll call it a session. It was more of a conversation mm -hmm. that I've had in education in any AI or not in a long time. And this district brought together, it was their superintendent. There was some of their other heads. Um, they had a few school board members. They had parents. They had local business investors. Uh, they just had a nice cross-pollination for an initial conversation around AI. And so I shared just a couple things. But as I was looking back through this today, the one that I didn't, I always kind of glossed over was that diverse AI use cases. Mm -hmm, and I keep mm -hmm. thinking about one individual in this session who she is a local business person. Um, yeah. I believe she was also a parent. Um, and okay. I don't know if she, I can't remember if she was school board or not. Anyways, she was talking in her, at her table about how AI has been so beneficial to the business. It has allowed them to get a lot more of their kind of data analytics moving yes. and grooving that yes. used to be so manual labor intensive for people going in and cleaning. But she said she has some real hesitation about what that looks like in the K-12 space of AI. And 
it was just something I had never thought about. Like there are those kind of two lens, right? And her thing was like, are kids really, do they have the skills to properly understand how to utilize the AI? You know, of course, my conversation was like, this is part of the the, the skill sets we need to develop. That's why we need to talk yeah. about this. Yeah. But I was like, this is so great because she was sharing, like in their case, in this community, how AI is already being utilized. And I think other people in the room weren't even aware that there was like a local context of AI being implemented, not of ignorance, just you don't, you don't, you just stay in your lane, right? Yeah, you and don't, so I, you don't, you don't get yeah. these conversations across uh sectors right so i was like oh my gosh like she should be helping like the admin like that kind of like behind the scenes ai not like hey put generative into the classroom with kids but like how could we reduce some of our managerial work because there's businesses doing that (laughs) and so it was just so fascinating as i was looking at this i'm like man that category just stood out to me more than usual and i think that's the beauty of coming back to these things is we learn and continue to have conversations like i mean even one of the activities i want to suggest is like maybe having a showcase of what other Mm. industries are doing right that could be a good uh i love that event um and and when you talk about she use it for her business data analytics in schools do you use uh lms do you use any kind of like platforms right well their analytics do we have there and so many people don't use make use of them or they don't know how or they don't have time so ai can help analyze this you know this learning data anonymize it detect some patterns like that's a more admin behind the scene um that it's feeding into supporting the learning right and supporting to learner you can see you can see oh um when you put this resource up in your lms are people even using it? Like, what are the usage pattern? Um, is it being overutilized or underutilized? Should we put more money into putting resources like that? So it helps with even budgeting, resource allocation at a school level, uh, making decisions. You know, with with more data, uh, more data informed decisions. It, it, it's not directly um, connected to the learning in the classroom, but it's still supporting education. Nevertheless, yeah, you know, I love that, and I I want to then build upon that and look at your other kind of. I mean, I would love to just spend time talking about all of them, but uh, <laughs> for the sake of time, yeah, your AI pedagogy category. Yeah, and so I I'm interested in in your thoughts on this because you have an extensive background in education in learning in general, even prior to to AI. And so I'm really I, I yeah. like I think you've got a you have a really interesting perspective to this. One of my fears that that I have is like anything that comes into play with 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 technology, especially in education, we tend yeah. to clamor on like the the shiny bright object that is I like um, cool, know. fun, interactive. And I think about the the pros and cons of even like when di- districts went one to one and that initiative a long time ago, and how so much of that went from like I have a paper worksheet packet. And now I think I'm doing something really cool because now it's digital, but yeah. like the teaching pedagogy, the the learning experience didn't really increase. We just shifted maybe some not best practices or overutilization of certain practices. And we didn't actually harness the, 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 the potential opportunities of what we could do with tech. Talk to me a little bit about where you are in that space, because I know you've got a backdrop in, in digital learning. You're interested in tech and e-learning. You know, part of this is I'm trying to figure out it's 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 a it's a real like double edged sword where I need I feel when I support teachers or educators in this, they have to feel some quick wins of success like they that, that they've learned something, but it can't stop there. And I, what I don't want to see happen is that we just continue not to push better teaching practices yeah, or yeah. I should say re-highlight teaching practices that have been around that are good that we've just kind of maybe lost sight of due to not even AI, just the landscape of education in general, which is a whole nother hot take for another day. You know, how are you wrapping your head around that? Or what are you seeing with that to ensure that maybe that doesn't repeat itself again? Yeah, I know. And and same here. I I seem to see so many, so many buzzwords, right? 
like mobile learning, gamification, virtual reality, augmented reality, micro learning and, and micro credentials and like every time MOOC and and you 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 you, just, you seem to enough hype cycles and you, you can't help but feeling a little bit cynical about okay, right. is this really changing educational practices, right? Or are we being distracted by yet another thing? Um I, I look at AI pedagogy category in, in two folds. So one is because I do so much uh, evaluation of, of products for for schools and for different educational settings. So from an, a product, an AI educational product evaluation perspective, um, what do we need to focus on? Um, because there's a lot of tools. I To me, they are solutions looking for a problem. And you you don't understand um, going into looking at these tools, you're gonna get caught up by wow, like look at the interface, it's so shiny, it's it's so beautiful to look at. It it's it the buttons just you know you click on it and then generate these things for you. But I'm like, well, is it is it supporting learning objectives at all? Um, mm. Like and what what learning problem are we solving? Or, or or not, right? Yes. Um. So so from from a, a technology evaluation perspective, I wanted to be um to develop skill sets in that. And then the other aspect is you know using like recognizing what are the benefits or potentials, and also the limitations of using AI for in an educational setting. Like because there are limitations. So we need to be very careful in using them and not inadvertently excluding certain things. Um, do, are you familiar with the SEMR model? Yeah. The, so, yeah. So, so that is a good framework to use, I think, in this category. Um, again, I have many, many thoughts on how do I further develop this. And one of that is, well, we need to... Um, get people to start applying that. Um, so for those of you don't know, I don't even know if I say it correctly, but it's S-A-M-L, it's the acronym. And it's, it stands for substitution, uh, augmentation, modification, and redefinition. So basically, if you look at a piece of tag, is this tag um, like Zoom is really a substitution of a face-to-face -face meeting, right? It's not doing something fundamentally different than if we were sitting in person talking. Although I think Zoom might disagree now because they just push <laughs> out a bunch of AI tools. Yeah. So, so that is changing too. Um, but like, is the technology just substitute what you're doing in already uh, in a classroom or does it modify something or does it actually completely uh, change the game for you? Uh, mm -hmm. that you don't normally able to um, provide this learning experiences unless you are using this technology, right? Um, so so I think that's a good framework to to use, but there are uh, there are others out there. Um, but I, my intention is I want people to pause and think about like, is AI shaping the way we learn and teach? or, like, are we as educators actively using the two to shape that, or is the two shaping us? Right? Mm -hmm. Is 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 it? Are we driving that, or is is, is AI driving us um, yeah. in education? That's a a really really powerful question, and I know it just as we get into, and I'm continuing to have conversations with districts, whether they're forming yeah. task force or maybe it's just like help us build an awareness. You know, I think they're they're starting to. Teaching and education is always personal. And so I think we have to understand yeah. that human side of stuff. And you can see the emotions when you start to showcase and demo the capabilities and the limitations of, of platforms, take chat yeah. PT or insert yeah. whatever tool of choice you want. And you can start to see people question like, why am I even doing what I'm doing? Or am I needed, right? When And getting people to move beyond that initial fear, like you're actually, my belief is educate is gonna be needed more than ever before. How do we build the skill sets to critically think and communicate? But now for so long, it's always been maybe with other humans. And now we got to like cross-pollinate our critical thinking, collaboration, communication skills, problem-solving, 
with humans and now, you know, some of these AI models. And so what does that look like? And, and how do we merge those things together? Um, and so I think just trying to get people to, to, to see some of that. You were, as you were talking through that, yeah, I'm trying to think through when teachers have this initial fear, when they experience these platforms, they start to question like, am I even needed? What's the point of education? Like they start to kind of have these like bigger. Oh, much more of an existential crisis. Yeah. And yeah. I try to help them realize, obviously like that's a feeling lean into it. But I think there's my take is like, we're, we're going to be needed more than ever before. Ah, absolutely. absolutely. The communication, the critical thinking, all these skills we need, not only do we need them now for human interaction to be able to work with others to create stuff, but now we've got to be able to also apply that to these AI tools because they're also not going away. I always, someone else, yeah. I, I can't yeah. take the credit for this phrase, but someone said, I was reading somewhere that AI, there's like an AI confetti bomb that went off and now AI is in everything and it will be. And so, <laughs> you know, so, so now that. we've got to interact. We got to know how to interact with this stuff too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. if we're not empowering students to have those skill sets like that, that, that yeah. digital divide is going to exponentially grow we don't want to be left behind yeah it's exactly so like as, as teachers and as students both yeah <laughs> um i think i think this is interesting because isn't this conversation that happened before when like like lms first came about or <laughs> yeah. intelligent tutoring system even way before yeah i mean when when they're like oh now this e-learning we don't need yeah. teachers right yeah. and and of course then it wasn't well designed so we actually need teachers to like then help explain and make sense of it and i feel like this the same um thing that's happening i think so much of it is it's if anything else yeah like you're saying the human uh interaction but also i think the trust factor like like do you trust a machine or do you trust a human um it's 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 you know just because it can give you information but did you want to interact with 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 it um it's another matter um if you think about medical field do you want to go see your doctor do you want to go see a machine that tells you like you know what whatever problem you have right 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 yeah yeah i mean i think these are and I love that as an example, because these are the questions that while we're trying to grapple what it means in education, these are also societal issues that we need to also process as a society. And so that to me, this education piece, and that's what I like so much around your framework, it gives us things to think about both in education, but I think also just as, as being hopefully positive contributors to society. What does this mean for us in, 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 yeah, in all the yeah. other realms? I think, I think there's a, there's a healthy dose of like, am I, am I, being with place, uh, you know, thinking that, I mean, healthy in a small, you know, quantity yeah. is to kind of keep us like on our toes and like, okay, perhaps there's some broken educational practices like we were talking before the recording started. Um, like perhaps assessment, it's broken. Um, perhaps, you know, the, the, the grading system is broken. Um, perhaps everybody learning at the same pace based on age group is broken. So this is a chance for us to reflect and and perhaps redesign some of the process. And so it's not a bad thing. Right. Um, I think the concern is the speed of change. It's, it's happening rapidly. So we haven't had a minute to catch our breath and there's like a new tool that comes out, you know? Yes. Yes, I always say it's yeah. like my like 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 the nerdy dopamine hit. I find yeah. myself checking to see what new update, um, you know, because I feel like I need to, as I'm trying to help others, I'm like, I got to know. And I'm like, I don't know if this is a health, healthy dopamine hit or not. I'm checking all the time to find out what the new update is. I'm like, oh, maybe maybe there's there's more to life than that. But that's just uh, kind of kind of where I've been It's easy to get caught up in that, isn't it? It like, is. It like, is. <laughs> and then next thing you know, an afternoon it's gone. Just looking yeah. at one thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I want to be I want to be respectful yeah. of, of your time here. This has been such a, a wonderful conversation. Um, and so before we wrap up and find out where people can learn more about you, I, I have one last question I want to ask you. And sure. so as you've been doing a lot of this work and you've got some incredible resources for people, I I always like to ask some of my latest guests, which I find fascinating, you yeah. know, um, how What's what's kind of like your learning process for this? I mean, sometimes it's kind of weird to analyze our learning, but I, I'm always I've been asking oh, no, this lately no. because yeah. I think yeah. as people listen and they're trying to figure out how how should they go about learning because it yeah. is like drinking from a fire hose. You know, how are you 
staying in the flow of, of, of the landscape, which we just talked about is going fast, maybe more yeah. importantly, trying to like yeah. then cross pollinate that back with yeah. what you know about education practices or what it means for the business sector. Talk to me a little bit about that. Cause maybe that could be some, some, some insights that people can be like, Oh, I, I could go about it that way. Yeah. I think I intentionally take breaks away from it. I think that's, that's healthy for me. Yeah. Um, like I got off with, doing an AI workshops and talks. And I'm like, I'm sick of talking about AI. I am just gonna, you know, not talk about that for, you know, um, a few days. I am like, you super, super nerdy for superhero movies and stuff. So I would just be like, I just wanna talk about Marvel superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that actually is tremendously healthy for me because then I come back in to work with new ideas and, and ready to get started. And also, um, I've been in this for a long time, so I felt like it's really important to get out of the educational field in terms of the conversation, in terms of the gatherings and talking to people in this field. Like I still obviously do a lot of friends in, in this space, but it's super healthy for me to like, when I talk about diverse AI use cases, also diverse um, diversity of perspective mm -hmm. is what uh, helped me um, and I came from a multidisciplinary background maybe that's always with me I always love um, applying uh, social sciences like behavioral economics theories into educational practices right um, psychology there's so much we can learn um, for human computer interaction um, based on psychology theories um, I also like to keep an eye on, for example, consumer grade products. Um, earlier this year, I went to CES, Consumer mm. Electronics Show. Jealous. And, <laughs> oh, it's don't be is exhausting. <laughs> and it, it, but, but you know, it's from Boston Dynamic Robots to um, Intelligent TV. Sorry, I'm doing air quotes here because uh, I'm highly doubting the intelligence <laughs> of the TV. Um, to smart toilets whereby they can analyze your pee and tell you if you need certain vitamins. <laughs> and e-health is such a fast growing field, for example. We can take um, so much learning from there. And I also can see that e-health applications are coming to education um, in, in the forms of wearable tech. Um, that is gonna happen there's already a little bit of that happening wearable tech combined with ai it's i think it's gonna come to education uh, it might not be next year it might be three years out uh, but i think it's coming um so it gives me a glimpse of well what's already happening elsewhere um, and not just from a technology perspective but from like what policies it is setting in motion right now um, with different government bodies right like this the um the EU AI Act uh, that's being still implemented. And along with that, there are um, sections on citizenship privacy, right? Which mm. is gonna impact education settings about student privacy. Yeah. Um, so, so stuff like that, I, I try to keep an eye out on like a healthy variety of things without, you know, overwhelming yourself. Sometimes you're like, that's enough. I, I don't wanna, you know, deal with it for a weekend and don't feel guilty about taking that weekend off. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's true for anything. Even those listening that maybe aren't maybe AI as passionate as, as, as I am or you, or, yeah. you know, I think whatever we're learning, I think it's all for anything we're doing to take that, that pause and, and get away from it. And I think we, we don't always do that enough, which is I think why we see also a lot of exhaustion and burnout and in, in, in yeah. a, lot of a lot of different fields right now. And we, we feel and I like that to pressure. Read yeah, I like to read books as well because it gives you a a, a bit more well researched, more yeah. more in depth uh, analysis. Um, the the one that I've been reading it's called the Atlas of AI. Hmm. I don't know if you um, yeah yeah I think it's is it Kate Crawford. So it talks about like the like AI actually has a lot of physical cost, right? It's actually depleting resources. It's actually exploiting humans and 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 it gives you a historical perspective as well it's not just 
what I wanted to chapter draw parallels between the industrial revolution to what's currently happening now. Mm. And so it gives you that historical perspective um, of what's been happening and what we're seeing. It's actually nothing new. It's a continuation of that. Right. Yes. That is a, a wonderful book. I just read that. I finished that up about a month ago. Yeah. And, uh, I was like, oh man, there's a lot more to this that right? I, I, yeah. haven't, I haven't quite considered or thought of enough you know, in terms of what does it mean for just, you know, mother nature and earth? <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, also, do, do you realize like when, when, when uh, AI vendors are like promising the world to you, you, you know, there's an opportunity cost, right? You know, there's a cost associated with it. It's not just something abstract and we need to kind of ask more questions and, and be more critical about it. I think if anything else, the message from like to everybody is like be be more critical. Yes. Don't don't just there's so much um hype that like that talks AI up, but like don't don't take it at face value. Right. I love that. I love that. And I think that's a a fantastic uh thought nugget to um wrap this up to be respectful of your time to to continue to be critical um, yes. of what we're being sold, uh what the answers are being you know, word vomited to us if we're going into chat GPT for responses or, or anything mm-hmm. else that, that comes our way. And so Stella Lee, this has been absolutely a, gosh, what a, what a wonderful uh, conversation. I, I so appreciate you carving out time. And as I like to end, if someone's sitting at a red light and, and they want to add you to their, their network and start <laughs> right now, all the stuff will be in the show notes, but in case they, they, they want to know more, you know, where are some of the best places for them to follow your work, see what's happening, um, especially with this framework and your AI educator guide, as well as just all the other things you've got going on, you know, where, where are the, uh, the spots to be? Yeah. Uh, first of all, don't text and drive. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but if you're sitting at home, yeah. <laughs> um, I am at paradoxlearning.com. I I put my resources for free up there on the resource section or the blog the blog section. I also okay, you know, I try to keep up with my own blogs. Not always easy. Um, more up to date info. I I do engage on LinkedIn quite regularly. Um, and I post updates there as well. So LinkedIn is probably the best way to um, keep up, say hi, um, you know, and if you guys are doing anything of interest, uh, especially on AI literacy, I love, love to hear from you. Perfect. Well, I can't thank you enough uh, for this conversation and I can't wait for for people to hear this, check out the framework and, you know, keep moving in, yeah. in, in, in all our learning journey. So uh, Thank you again for your time. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been fun. Thanks. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Chaos.